What up, what up? Welcome to another edition of the Do-Rags and Stethoscopes podcast. This is episode nine. Checking in with Brick, Shock, and the Lit MD. Of course, I am Leno, the Wave God. Got an actually packed episode for you this week. Uh, we have natural disasters coming up. What's your worst natural or least favorite natural disaster? I don't know if there's a good natural disaster. Fellas, help me out. Are there any good natural disasters? Fog is for the week. Thunderstorm. Fog is a good natural disaster. Fog. So as long as we have fog, natural disasters, I think we'll be okay. Um, next up on the agenda, we have Dr. Jacob Davis coming in and talking to us about sports injuries. Tua Tagovailoa has been a hot topic this week, so we got him stepping in, giving us his uh, outlook and his opinion on that injury, and maybe some other sports injuries. And we get to, to talk a little bit in depth what goes on behind the scenes as far as that medical tent. Um, lastly, we are going to. I don't. What are we talking about last, guys? PEDs. PEDs. Do we like PEDs? Lit says they're good PEDs. He's a doctor, so he gives people PEDs. He feels like hot shit. Um, (laughs) Lit is giving out PEDs because he's a doctor and he's so cool, but we don't, some of us don't necessarily think that PEDs are cool in sports. We'll talk about that a little bit more in depth this week anyways. Surprise, surprise, we have heard you guys asking for the longest time, and now we are proud to announce that we are up and live and running on YouTube. Follow our YouTube channel, the Do-Rags and Stuff the Scopes podcast. As always, you can catch us on your favorite streaming platform for our audio. And as always, thanks for listening. My vision is the bag in my white coat. Leno got his do-rag and lit got his stethoscopes. Welcome to Do-Rags and Stethoscopes. Welcome to Do-Rags and Stethoscopes. Wave tsunami when they crash, current strong, it's a rip. If you're not feeling well, I might just have to write a script. Welcome to Do Rags and Stethoscope. Welcome to Do Rags and Stethoscope. People are gonna think that that's business as usual. What's up, what's up? Welcome into another episode of Do Rags and Stethoscopes. I am the Lit MD. As always, we have Leno the Wave God. What up, what up? You know, we got our production team here. Both of them are present today. We've got Brick and Shock. Say what up. How are y'all doing? <laughs> What's up? <laughs> hey, we got some hot topics, some things that are definitely hot in the uh, in the country, in the nation, things that we wanted to touch on and talk about. First off, we want to make sure that we send our condolences to anybody that is hurt, harmed, or affected by Hurricane Ian. We hope that y'all make it through it. It definitely rocked Florida as well as much of the eastern uh, coast, the southern, the southeastern coast. Uh, we hope that everybody is safe. I know my mother was one of the individuals that was in Myrtle Beach and decided to stay. Happy birthday, mama. Woo, woo, woo. Please Happy get birthday. home safely. Happy birthday. And we say that she please get home safely. So on that note, one of the things that we're going to talk about is natural disasters. So Brick did send to the group. 24 types of natural disasters. I asked him to pick a top 10 and we've been struggling to find a top 10 on natural disasters. My one of one is a volcano, but brothers, what is your one of one on a natural disaster? And then I'll read this list off. Uh, Brick, you go ahead and lead it. You, you got the opinions. I mean, for me, it's gotta be a tornado. I've been in a couple of tornadoes. I've lived in Mississippi where I've seen massive tornadoes. I've lived in Tennessee where I've seen massive tornadoes, but tornadoes are massive, like cyclone, and they literally can just turn 90 degrees at 
drop of a hat. Like they literally go down the street, destroy everything, and then just turn right down the other street. It's wild to me. So I can't rock with tornadoes. That's like my one. Shot, what's yours? Ah oh, man, I might. I'm a. Nah, come back to me. Come back to me. <laughs> About to draw some wild. <laughs> Leno, what's your what's your one of one? So I'll give you I'll give you three. I'll give you three. All right. Number one, top of the list, gotta be tornadoes. Like you said, you see this big, mile wide, you know, cloud of death. You know what I'm saying? Just coming towards you. It ain't nothing you can do about it. That's number one. Number two, earthquake. Y'all remember we had the baby earthquake in Sydney. That was the funniest earthquake of all time. I can imagine a real earthquake. They talk about San Andreas said California falling <laughs> off. I can't imagine. I lose my mind. Earthquake is definitely up there. And number yep. three, number three, we just had one. Talk about when it's not really, it's probably the least scary, but I know they do a lot of damage, and that's hurricanes. Yeah, just going <laughs> forget about volcanoes and tsunamis. Like these things don't happen. But all right, I'm gonna let you run. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about no tsunami. Well, I might be a little worried about a tsunami, but I can swim though. So I'm not worried about a tsunami. I'm not worried about a big wave because I can swim. Can y'all swim? I yeah. know, I, Rick, I, I know I, you can swim. I don't, I I don't swim. think it works like that. If a tsunami comes in, like, I got a better, you ain't swimming through that, my man. No, I there's that, um, don't lose hope. You can swim through it, dog. Swim, there's that movie, yeah, there's that movie on Netflix about that family in Sri Lanka that survived that tsunami. The mother was holding onto a tree. The two kids were able to swim, and the dad was... I don't know what he did, but the mom got messed up because the thing about a tsunami was the debris. As she was being tossed around this tsunami, she hit a tree branch and it severed her femoral artery. R.I.P. Sean Taylor. Y'all remember that medical moment when Brick told us what happens? Cut yeah. big vessel, big vessel, bleed, bleed, not good. Over, dog. Over. Shock, what's your one of one? Man. So I was going to say this, but I don't think it actually is. I think it's a series of natural, uh, whatever, natural disasters. So I was going to say apocalypse, dog. I was going to say apocalypse. And that, apocalypse. That's the worst, dog. And, and it's worst. not on the list, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the list, dog. <laughs> Make my own yeah, list. I'm sure the apocalypse would be the worst natural disaster, I'm sure. So we all agree. Thank you, Christopher. All right. So. Shot all right. Shock, shock gets the apocalypse. A whole bunch of natural disasters combined. Does that include zombies? I think so. Oh, yeah. yeah. We already <laughs> know. Because Leno gonna go get some bread and water. <laughs> we gonna be good. <laughs> oh, shoot. For real, though, no. I would have to go with tsunamis, though. Like, seriously? Bro, yes. I Just a wall of water that's not gonna end? Alright, so this list... Uh, I don't want to get exhausted, but this list that Brick sent out earlier in the group chat, we've got avalanches, oh, that's blizzards, uh, we've got cold waves. Cold waves was interesting to me, but it was a technical term for a period of very cold weather. Brick, before I continue, please explain the cold wave you experienced in Bismarck. All right, so I live in Bismarck, North Dakota. A cold wave is the exact opposite of a heat wave, except... When they say cold wave, it's literally like negative 40, negative 50 for like a week straight. And it's absolutely terrible. 
Yeah, I ain't with that. Uh, they talk about droughts. That can obviously damage crops and your ability to literally consume food. Uh, earthquakes. Come on now. Floods. Yeah, horrible. Flash floods. Flash floods. Which, floods and flash floods, for me, is like... I mean, that's like 1A, 1B of like... A flood is a flood is a flood. A flash flood is terrible because it happens quicker, but I don't want to be caught in either one. Uh, Hailstorms. Bruh. If my camera got hit by hail, I promise it's gonna fall to pieces. It ain't gonna make it. Heat waves. Your camera could take a hailstorm, bro. That joint is a tank at this point. <laughs> it's been rocking since 07. If it's, if it's any car that's going, that's gonna keep on rolling. It's that motherfucking camera. I tell you what, <laughs> Toyota make a good motherfucking car. That goddamn. <laughs> oh, okay. This is one that was controversial for me, right? An impact event. I don't consider an asteroid hitting the Earth weather. Do y'all? Uh, does this, is it something falling from the sky? It's extraterrestrial, though. It came from space. But it's like it's an alien. from the sky. It's natural, though, right? It's naturally yep. occurring. It naturally occurring. But hold on. Sky. So, okay. Okay. Right, y'all so serve me. You said it's natural. Yes. The world, like, between the United States, Russia, and all the other countries, and why are you gonna uh, put Russia in this, bro? In the space, they in your pockets. Space race, no. In the space race, they have sent up so many satellites, and they just drop all the time. So would that count as an impact event? Because I don't know. No, because that's, that's man-made. That satellite was man-made. Yeah. So, but an asteroid is a rock. Yeah, but we get more satellites falling from the sky than anything. Those are also, for the most part calculated so that they fall in the ocean and they don't no, fall they just get lucky on your grandma couch no we get lucky because <laughs> like two-thirds of the earth is covered by water so yeah 70 percent of the earth is covered by so the water so we're lucky so. that nobody <laughs> that so we need Deion sanders <laughs> to protect us from this asteroid because he's locked down so he needs to make sure he reroutes them right because he can reroute anybody He's covering that. He he covering that other that rest of that water that you know for them asteroids falling, them satellites falling. Dion, we need a miracle. Please reroute this asteroid. Okay, this is another one. It's called a limbic eruption. Because the weekend I'm having, goddamn asteroid might literally fall on my me my house right now, and I really could not. That was I can't deal with those shit like that right now. It was really just been a bad fucking weekend. We gonna get into why you see sick. All right, we gonna touch on that. This is another one. It's called a limbic eruption. So a limbic eruption or an exploding lake is a rare type of natural disaster where carbon dioxide very suddenly and violently erupts from the bottom of a freshwater lake. If that sounds terrifying, well, it's because it's limbic eruptions. While rare, have caused major destruction around two lakes, Lake Neos and Lake Monon. I don't know how to pronounce that. In West Central Africa. See, the best have always happened in Africa. Shout out to Africa and all of my African individuals and their heritage. So has that ever happened? When has that happened since in like the 1900s? I don't have a date on it, but Shaq, so thank you for doing the battle up. cry. This is in a book somewhere. No, it, it's really happened. Um, I can I can keep reading deeper into this. Let me y'all keep y'all keep chatting about it. Lake Nios, 1986, and then it created a tsunami wave. Hold up, <laughs> see, oh. <laughs> one begins the other. You telling me these people were in Central Africa, a lake erupted, and then they got hit with a tsunami? I know they were confused. There is a no water anywhere near. Feet in height. That's twenty meters. Sixty feet. 
Why you go to 20 meters, bro? Ain't nobody from Britain, bro. We use feet, dog. We don't care about meters. Well, this is do-rag and stethoscopes, and I know a lot of scientific community likes to use meters, milliliters, and all that other stuff. Shout out to our listeners listening overseas, whatever Lit is talking about, because we definitely see y'all over there. Shout out to the meters and the centimeters and the liters and all that shit. Metric system all day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I am with the metric system. I was let about me, to say. Hey, let me get a liter of cola. Please. <laughs> As we're talking about this, like, I don't have a nine millimeter. Like, come on now. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. They wouldn't call it like a, what was nine millimeters? Like a two inch? Something like I that? I don't quarter know. inch right here. Like, what? Yeah, that ain't no gun. That's a nail gun. <laughs> That's a nail gun. All right. A couple more. They talk about mudslides. Pea soup fog. That's lame. I ain't scared of no fog. Sinkhole. Nah, Sink- fog is crazy. I love Lynchburg. Yeah, this time of year, that fog go crazy. Sinkholes, bro. That's the one. Hearing about sinkholes, especially the ones in Florida where it'd be like a, a house just disappeared and you don't know how far down it fell. Nobody even knows it fell because it can collapse silently. It's like the ground is gone. A sinkhole freaks me out, bro. Yeah, sinkholes are not the move. Yeah. <laughs> Solar flares. On some other stuff, though. Subsidience? Sub- subsidence. What is that? Subsidence is a type of natural disaster that's quite similar to sinkholes, but with a bit of a twist. Unlike sinkholes, which form as groundwater dissolves the bedrock, subsidence happens when large amounts of groundwater are depleted from the bedrock. Sounds like somebody was stealing the water source. I can't get down with that. Uh, thunderstorms. So I'm not afraid of thunder. I'm afraid of lightning. Thunder ain't going to hurt you. That's a sound. Lightning? That can kill you. Uh, tornadoes. See, tornadoes is number 20 on this list. Y'all soft. Uh, tsunamis. Is it alphabetical order? Tropical cyclone. I don't know. That's a good yeah, point. The way you're Volcanic eruptions is number 23. It's got to be. Yeah. And then wildfires. <laughs> oh, my bad. Hey. You ain't about hey, to do me like that. As we were going through this list, <laughs> as we go through this list, you got to think. Avalanche is probably a bad one, too, that we don't even think about. Yeah. If you get hit with a cloud of snow, it's like a tsunami, and you're stuck, and you can't move. You don't know which way's up or down. Yeah, yeah. that's 30. I remember I was watching this survival show on National Geographic. Remember I told y'all, and I'll let the listeners, I'll remind the listeners, my older brothers, mainly my brother that's closest to me in age, used to make fun of me for watching this stuff. But I was caught in an avalanche. I wasn't caught in an avalanche. If well, they say if you're, <laughs> I'm from Baltimore. Ain't no avalanches. It's just <laughs> nah. They it's say the if you're caught in an avalanche, the first thing you're supposed to do is spit because of gravity. So the direction that the spit falls, you'll know to go the exact opposite direction to then know which way is up if you're going to try to dig your way out. Still, you can dig your way out, but you don't know if you're under five feet of snow, ten feet of snow, thirty feet of snow, or an inch of snow. So. Well, I mean, it's, you were relatively quickly if you were under interest snow, wouldn't you think? We can't all be six foot four, Leno. Selfish. I forgot, I forgot you was five foot three. Five three. I was. I was five three at birth, dog. I'm five foot eight and one. Congratulations. Sixteenth. Bro, it's still a hope, though. I heard about the surgery you can get. Bruh, I was actually no bull. I was looking at that surgery. It's hilarious because of the description. So what they do is they put these rods, like they put a, um, they put like an intramuscular nail in the, in the, um, I think it's in the, no, it's in the tibia, not the femur. 
they put two rods. I'm sorry, it's one rod and two nails, and they lengthen it. But each time they lengthen it, it fractures your tibia. So basically, they have to break your legs, and then you allow it to heal. But you can only break it by such a distance. So like this dude that, that got it done, he came in there. He was five six, and he left, and he was five eight and a half, and he was hype. I ain't about to do that for two inches. Now, if you tell me I could be six eight, I promise you. First thing I'm doing is I'm gonna challenge Leno to the court, and I'm yamming on him. I'm yamming. Oh my god, I'm blocking everything. Don't play with me. Imagine, Leno. Imagine if I came back a foot taller. You gonna be, you gonna be confused, bro. <laughs> if I came back a foot taller, he ain't gonna know what to do. Also, for all our listeners at home, there has been a natural disaster that occurred at uh, Leno's home. He is currently in a rolling blackout due to a locust storm. Man, I told you to cut all this shit ten minutes ago, motherfucker. I'm goddamn. I just see the oh, look at that street light on. All right. Well, street lights are back on, so we can welcome back in Leno, the wave god. Uh, yeah, no, Leno had a blackout power outage so he has been doing his best to stick with us but um shock that's why he sounds lit. far away sounds yeah he far sounds away. like he's from he's a distance he's still gonna connect his mic shock lit tell me about it what what natural disaster scares y'all and then which one are you like nah that's weak of all the 24 that i listen is there anything where you're like not scared and there's something where you're like i hate it so brick you said tornado but you can give me another one and shock what you got i mean for me I feel, I mean, tornadoes, I feel like we're going, we're all going to go to the side of something that we have seen, we've seen videos of, or we experienced. So for me, tornadoes, because I've seen massive tornadoes. I think it was 2010. There was a bunch going through the Southeast. That was the one that almost hit Bryant Denny Stadium in Alabama, and it literally made a 90 degree turn. So I was, I was in Ole Miss when that one happened. It was absolutely bonkers. I was driving next to it. Then it just took a right. Went down the street. I almost lost all bowel movement, but I didn't. So You should have lost bowel control. I would have. Because it was crazy. I was driving to school, and then out of nowhere, it just went pitch black, and everybody stopped. And I was in my little Miata, just, why does everybody stop? And then out of nowhere, you just see it just, whoop, it just opens up and just starts moving. I was like, oh, God, is it? So, Your bowels or the tornado? They were simultaneous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. Hey, Shaq, what about you, bro? Was that the one that you could deal with? No, I can't deal with that. I feel like, yeah, so okay. the one I could deal with is, I would have to say, like, a hurricane. Because growing up in North Carolina, like, on the East Coast, everybody knows, you get, like, a week notice. I mean, if yeah. I was in, like, the Caribbean, yeah, you don't get that much notice. That joint just. Bow. Yeah, <laughs> in like, school, when they hit, that like was a whole nother game. <laughs> yeah, you get like a week notice, a couple days, and you're like, all right, I'm leaving. I'll be back. Like the SpongeBob me. All right, I'm going to head out. <laughs> I'm about to head out. <laughs> Shock, yeah, what so, about you? What's soft and what's, which, which one goes hard? What's soft, man? I don't know if any of them soft, man. I'm not messing with no natural disaster. But if I had to pick one, was you said thunder or lightning was on that list? You said thunder was. I, I think you should pick fog. Nah, dog. Fog can mess you up. Fog oh can mess God, you yeah. up, dog. If you're driving, dog, and there's some heavy fog, park the car. No, dog. No, ain't nobody. That's how people get. <laughs> that's how they got sixty car pile left on the highway. <laughs> no, those people parked on the actual lane. You got to get 
off the road. But you don't see it. I I know my left and my right. If I'm yeah, in, if it, if I'm in two lanes of traffic, I hate y'all. If y'all are really scared of fog, whiteout conditions are crazy. Like you can't see nothing until you are right on the tail of that shit. You know what I mean? Park the car. Nah, I ain't soft. Though. I ain't parking the car. For our listeners, Shock drives a Mustang, so he's like, you might as well go seventy-five. Ain't nothing different, right? Yeah, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. I'm already late, so shit. <laughs> <laughs> He overslept, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, what would Shock. You go with, though, dog? What would you go with, Lit? As my scariest? Yeah. I'm between sinkhole and volcano. If there was ever a combination of, like, a sinkhole came and then the volcano erupted and now the, the, the lava is falling into the sinkhole, oh, my God. Like... I've seen those videos in Florida where people like their neighbor is just gone. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you're in the middle of a, a, a deep sleep. And I know you know about a deep sleep. <laughs> so for the, for you to just fall out of nowhere, that's like those type of things where, you know, in the middle of your sleep, you jump volcanic eruptions. Everybody thinks about these mild ones. I'm thinking about Vesuvius. Like y'all ever heard about the dude in Vesuvius that was, that was actively masturbating and he was frozen in time in a masturbation position. I ain't hear about the master. I did not hear about that one. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a picture of it. I'm gonna send it into the group. Dude was actively whacking it and got completely covered in like lava. So isn't there like a don't like a precursor to it? So like doesn't the cap blow off so everybody sees all the smoke that knows it's about to erupt? It depends on the level of eruption. So okay. like if you have like one of those like like high order ones, but usually those high order ones, especially with the information we have now, like what they talk about with uh is it Yosemite or Yellowstone? Yellowstone. Yellowstone is like one of the largest volcanoes in the world. Like there's there's way to know by preemptive earthquakes. I'm talking about the little ones where like I just went on vacation. I didn't even know there was a there was a volcano around here. Like my med school, Dominica. Uh well, my med school was Ross, but Dominica was a volcano. I didn't know that till the second week of school. I was like, what? Like, yeah, but it 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 ain't gonna rub. Yes, the island of Dominica is an active volcano. It's like Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, but Hawaii is a much slower volcano. But yes, you're right. Hawaii is active and it's still growing in size. But this hadn't been active. Well, the term active volcano is like you know it, it still has the ability to have activity versus dormant, where there's no active lava beneath it. So that was my biggest fear. So what I'm gonna say, like I said, volcano is my one of one. Sinkhole is number two. I don't mess with tornadoes. Don't think I'm calling out tornadoes. You know, like I don't want that to happen. But I'm just saying, if I had to pick, like Brick, you were in your car and saw the tornado, and you had a chance to turn that me out around and drive. Okay, but it could have turned my way. It literally could have turned my way too. <laughs> but what if the what if the sinkhole? What up? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was about to say, Dorothy can survive that shit. You can survive it too. For real, because exactly, exactly. I'm end up in Kansas, dog. <laughs> Bro, if a sinkhole opens up under your Miata, it's, it's going to go straight Pac-Man. It's going to gobble your car up, bro. Like, That's you are sad. done. You are done Miata for. I don't anymore, but my Miata was Liddy. R.I.P. Miata, man. Yeah. All right. We are going to welcome back in Leno the Wave God. He got through his natural disaster because the power is back on. Looking real wavy today, bro. Fuck you guys. I'm still not in a good mood. You're not in a good mood? I am thankful the power's back on, but I'm I'm still not in a good mood. 
Another natural disaster that occurred today was the Pittsburgh Steelers catching an L to the Jets. But, no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll just compare that to a sinkhole because that's what's happening right now. So, Leno, (laughs) if you had to pick a natural disaster that you're afraid of, and then one that you're not, and you're like, I don't care about it. So, I said fog. I have no fear of fog. I'm scared of volcanoes and sinkholes. And then Shock said that he was afraid of, was it tornadoes? Everything. 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 Brick said he doesn't F with tornadoes at all. And what's the one that you weren't afraid of, Brick? Hurricanes, because you get like a week warning, a week long warning. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's true. That's, I'm not afraid of hurricanes, but I know they could do damage. Like, I, I know her uh, bad hurricane. But I'm not afraid. Like you said, you get a week to prepare. Lived through a couple decent hurricanes, like hurricanes. So what's your what's your like? Nope, not at all. Not messing with it. We got to go. Get out of it's here. It's a tornado. A hundred percent. It's a tornado. You just <laughs> it's a thousand percent. It's a tornado. It's dark, and then the train is coming, and then you and then everything's gone, and it's it's that's it. Is it ain't no mistaking a tornado. It's not really any avoiding a tornado. It's so in and out. Nah, I'm not dealing with a tornado. I don't, I don't, I don't want nothing to do with a tornado. I'm avoiding tornadoes at all costs. I'd never live in somewhere in the Midwest because because of tornadoes ever. I'd That's never true. move in that in that portion of the country just because of tornadoes. Never do it. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, that that kind of leads me in into my medical minute, right? My medical minute. If we're talking about natural disasters, the first thing that I would say on the medical side is to listen to your local weather department listen to hey represent that cup listen to the natural disaster programs that are available whether there's a shelter you need to know where you can go also for a medical minute you need to have an outlet right you need to have a place that you can escape to family members even if they're in a state over somewhere where you can get to to survive but something that happened this is more about like blizzards and in the winter um keeping yourself warm keeping food, keeping non-perishable food items, whether they're canned goods or like dry foods, like, you know, crackers and those type of things, just something for sustenance. But Hawaiian sweet rolls, rolls, that's bread. So so that's a yes. I just want to make sure that's a yes. As long as that's a yes, I don't care. Move on. In a natural disaster, you can bring Hawaiian sweet rolls. Make sure you bring an extra pack from Leno. Please. Because he will pull up on you. If there's one person in this entire podcast that will pull up on you in natural disaster, be like, yo, you got some Hawaiian sweet rolls? While it's an active flood, it's going to be Leno. <laughs> oh, Lord. Make sure y'all take care of yourselves. But also, keep it, keeping a, a power source, right? A way to charge your battery. Say if the power goes out, having a, a battery pack, a power Speak pack. To the devil. <laughs> having extra batteries. You know, flashlights are another good thing. But then having... um. Non-potable water. Non-potable water means water that you don't have to heat up to the boiling point of, what's the boiling point of water? 212? 212 degrees. 212 degrees Fahrenheit, 100 degrees Celsius. Yeah. So if you have, like, say you have a bottle of distilled water, and if you have young children having formula, having food that they can consume, keeping all that on you. Another thing is your heat source. So something that happened in Houston that was pretty heartbreaking to me is that people, you know, they didn't deal with it, but it snowed in Houston, and that was something that they weren't used to they were burning carbon monoxide type fuels in houses do not burn gases in your home 
right? You cannot light a grill for heat in your home. I know the old school leave the oven open. Even that can be dangerous in itself because there's a fuel source that can ignite. And yes, you can have a fire in a in a blizzard. So, and it's that much harder for first responders to get to you because a lot of deaths that occur in natural disasters, they aren't based off the natural disaster itself, right? It's not going to be from the tornado swallowed you up and spit you out or the volcano melted you. It's going to be a lack of access to first responders because think about it. You call 911, they got to send an ambulance or they got to send a helicopter. Somebody has to get to you. Get them, Brent, because if a tornado, if I go inside a tornado... I didn't, I'm not I'm not doubting that that can kill you, but I'm saying that's not the number one <laughs> cause of death in a tornado. I'm saying it's the destruction and the damage to roadways afterwards. Like uh, a couple hurricanes, I don't, it wasn't Hurricane Ian, but there have been hurricanes where people would die of heart attacks. And the reason they died of a heart attack is because the flooding then prevented the EMS from arriving. Also, keep it like you don't have to keep a defibrillator, but keeping some type of a first aid kit, even if you get your generic first aid kit from CVS. Simple instructions, things that you can take care of, cuts, bruises, scrapes, things that can get infected because infections can kill you. So my medical minute is dealing with storms and disasters. Keep a first aid kit, keep an escape plan, and make sure you have a family member or a resource that you can escape to. I'm off my soapbox. Charge your phone. Absolutely. And keep some Hawaiian sweet rolls. Maybe don't live in Petersburg. And that's my medical minute for the day. Just wanted to make sure that I gave some information to y'all. All right. Next up, we're going to welcome on a special guest. We have Dr. Jacob Davis, sports medicine physician from Atlanta, working with professional sports teams in the city, as well as collegiate and high school level athletes, as well as a, a close friend of mine and a graduate of Ross University. Stand up. Went to the same med school. Appreciate you for being on here, brother. Thank you. Yes, sir. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to chatting a little bit with y'all about, you know, everything sports. Uh, it's a big topic, so let's 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 do it. Yeah, you know what's the what's the thing that's got everybody triggered right now? What's the hot topic? Um, previously, we've spoken about uh, collision sports and head trauma in general. Uh, as a Dolphins fan, I got to speak on it. Also, as a physician, I got to speak on it. We all saw what happened with Tua Tagovailoa. If if y'all have not, he took what seemed to be pretty serious head trauma on a Sunday game, caused him to be wobbly woozy, uh, was out the rest of that first half, then came back in the second half, played. He won the game, beat the Bills. That's great. But once again, the doctor in me was a little queasy about that decision. And then we had the early game this week, which was a Thursday night game, and he took an even more significant head trauma. So, Dr. Davis, the floor is yours. If you want to just break it down for us, I guess, so I can set you with something. What happened and what was missed, would you say? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a really tough uh, topic to talk about. You know, concussions is, is an ever-evolving topic with, you know, when it's, it's kind of known, as you've got and been hearing, is this, um, this black hole diagnosis that they're talking a lot about on ESPN. But we don't have, you know, a specific objective uh, uh you know, test to say you have a concussion or you don't have a concussion like we do for bones and ligaments and things like that. So it's always tough talking about it. And then, you know, everybody wants to be a, a Monday or Tuesday morning quarterback and go back, or in this case, a Friday morning quarterback, a Thursday night game and kind of talk about what should have been done, who should have been fired. But it's really a more complicated issue than that. This is, this is not just this doctor should be fired, this coach or this player should 
cash flag. It's, it's a systemic problem, um, a systemic issue, kind of stemming from the NFL as a whole. Um, you know, going back to that incident last Sunday. So if we just kind of break it down and ha- what the NFL is doing now, what's happening is that every team, as far as medical staff, every team has their own team physician that is employed by that team. Um, usually it's, you know, I hate to say it, it's usually the, you know, orthopedic group or hospital group that is either giving up the most money to have that contract and then using their doctors and, and, and whatever doctor is liked or chosen or group is usually employed by that team. So that's present. And then the NFL has also implemented these UNCs, which these are these unaffiliated neurotrauma consultants that are at every game. There's usually someone on the sideline and then there's usually an athletic trainer version of that or another, um, you know, doctor in the in the box watching. So they're present at every game, too. So what happens with an injury that, you know, is thought to be like concussion or head trauma related, especially last Sunday, um, automatically there's what these things that are called no goes. So when something happens on the field and there's concern that this was a head injury. The very first step in the NFL's concussion head trauma protocol is a subject called no-goes, right? And these no-goes means this player is out of the game, disqualified, um, automatically enters concussion protocol. And these no-goes are loss of consciousness, amnesia, which is I don't remember what happened, basically, um, any type of altered mental status uh, or confusion, and then this asterisk that's next to gross motor dysfunction and literally in the protocol is, is an asterisk next to just that one. And under that asterisk, it's subjectively determined, uh, subject, subjectively left up to the team doctor and the UNC, the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant. So it's a group so decision. It's, it's a group decision. Yes. Uh, but you never know, really knows what happens during those conversations. But, you know, it's it's like it like it says, though, it says subjective. And what we say by subjective is I think it looks like this. You think it looks like that. Those are both our subjective opinions. And you can't really argue that. So what happened was, you know, two was taken off the field immediately. It was determined. This was this was a head, probably a head injury. That's why he went to the sideline. Uh, I mean, to, to the locker room. Excuse me. I mean, they could have made the argument that it was his back. But I mean, there was obvious gross motor dysfunction literally the definition of gross motor dysfunction is what occurred last sunday so he went into the locker room and was evaluated by these you know by this team the team doctor and the unc and at that point they they determined that this was not gross motor dysfunction because that would have been a no-go and he was out of the game there's no way he's going back in the game so then when they determined that the unc determines that um you put the team doctor in a situation where like it's is he going to disagree with the the unbiased, the unaffiliated entity? Um, I don't think most NFL organizations would allow their team doctor to disagree with the unbiased person, right? I mean, these these team doctors have probably worked their entire life to become the team doctor, and they're already kind of binded to making sure they make a, a decision, but at the same time, keep their job and keep their you know you know still be an NFL team doctor. So that's why they had the UNC. So when the UNC makes a decision saying this is not a concussion, we're evaluating it as a back injury and he's fine. He goes back into the game. Right. So the question is, is, you know, does he if, if he was put in concussion protocol, um, 
does he still play on Thursday? Probably not. But there was still a possibility that he goes through the return to progression, the return to play program in four or five days and still ends up playing Thursday. But the fact that he, you know, he wasn't even deemed, you know, a no go or in concussion protocol, he was able to go back to the game and then proceed accordingly. And they're saying he didn't have any symptoms. They tested him, blah, blah, ends up playing Thursday night and then suffers what's most likely known in the medical community as second impact syndrome which is a subsequent concussion within the next four or five days after having one, which they are again denying that he had one in the first place, which is kind of the argument. But um, so, you know, all in all, there's a lot of pieces to this. It's a, it's a very uh, sticky, unfortunate situation. Is it the, you know, you know, it's tough. Like you have the athlete that wants to go back at all costs to us in a contract year. He's not, he's going to tell you every single answer uh, to get playing. You have the UNC, which is supposed to take the the bias out of it and and make everybody's basically, you know, uh, uh, you know, make the team doctor not feel like he's obligated to make a decision. That's literally their job. But they're all hired by the NFL and the NFL is a for profit business. And you can get down to that uh, wormhole loophole there um, saying that maybe the UNC should should not be hired by the NFL and maybe these should be outside entities. So, um you know, you know, I can talk about this all day. We'll I'll kind of, you know, let y'all jump in here and uh, and I, we can talk a little bit more about different aspects of this. Well, first of all, I appreciate you for giving us all that insight. And, and one of the things that we we're talking about in the group that I wanted to have, you know, even though I am a physician, my specialty is not neurology, nor is it sports medicine. My specialty is critical care. But with you, I wanted to have you on so we could say this so that we can then have our listeners understand that this is coming from a physician, what is being said. Um, I want to give the floor to Leno because I'm thinking that he had a question right before I let him get into that. So I can say so the literature review that I did prior to this, I was looking at second impact syndrome. Right. Just to give the, the listeners a description, second impact syndrome is described as something that occurs when a person develops altered mental status or loss of consciousness within seconds to minutes of a second concussion when they are still symptomatic from an earlier concussion. This is a rare and somewhat controversial, but also potentially fatal complication of mild brain injury. Next portion says it looked at a 2021 literature review, which identified only 45 cases, all males between the ages of 10 to 29. The latency between the first and second concussions ranged from less than one hour to five weeks out, meaning that's that's that time of being under the protocol. There are 11 recoveries of favorable outcomes, but there are also 19 deaths in that same literature review. And the portion that I found the most interesting and I highlighted in the group is where it said it has never been reported in American NFL players. The key word there is reported, right? It's all about what you report, just like how you're talking about we, you and I, both as physicians, I think you have second impact syndrome, and I think you're on the same page, but they're denying the first impact technically occurred. So I find that interesting, but Leno, if you got a question, go ahead, bro. Chime in. I think I really appreciate you um, taking the time to talk to us today, man. My My question really revolved around the independent doctor in that situation in that situation if the like you said if the independent doctor green lights the player to come back in what is the parameter wise are there any parameters that were are in place for the team doctor to reevaluate at that point and say hey maybe this guy is not where he needs to be in order to be back in the game yeah and exactly so there is so this is supposed to be a a group decision basically um so it's hard to say what happened in that room and you know who who 
who made the final decision, but the UNC is supposed to make their own decision and then discuss with the team doctor and decide. But if, if the team doctor disagrees with the UNC, they can potentially overrule that. Um, it's a little sticky and a little shady in that area because that will just never happen. I was going to say, I think you you touched on it. That puts the team doctor in a really sticky situation in between an right. independent doctor and, the, you know, the people that sign his checks. I think that would be, especially for a guy of that caliber, um, in that particular situation, you're in a really you're putting your team doctor in a really tough spot to try to come in and say, hey, maybe this guy needs to sit out because he's, you know, has some type of head injury. If if you're evaluated for a head injury and then you're cleared of that head injury, do you then go into concussion protocol? Like, what is what are the steps of going into the protocol after b- right. even being diagnosed for a head injury? Right. So, so, and that's a good question. So, the argument that was being made by basically the Dolphins was that this is not a head injury, so he never had to go through that specific, you know, testing because. If you're suspect, like after you get past that no go, then there's a list that they go through if they're still suspecting. First, it's no go. Is the player disqualified or not? Okay, let's move down the list. And then it's like, okay, the the criteria the NFL literally has, and you know, I can just pull it up to be sure here, just to make sure I'm saying it right. It's history of event. Was there concussion signs or symptoms? These Maddox questions, which are basically your your altered mental status. What's your name? What's your date of birth? Where are you? What quarter is it? And then video review is literally in the criteria after you get through the no goes. So it just it's kind of mind boggling how all, like we're all these met. So video and, review, and video review is in there, literally in the NFL protocol. So the question, so seeing the question is, well, here's the here's the thing is that they're saying this was not a head injury. So, so they, they didn't they didn't have to once they got past those no goes. Yeah. This is a back injury. His back's okay, you know. So, so that's kind of where, because then, because once, once you, once you get, once they bring you to the sideline, you not only have to go through all the video review and all that stuff. They have to do a scat, which is basically a a a full concussion assessment of symptoms. They have to do a VOMS, which is vestibular motor, where they have you look, move your head, turn your eyes, and do all this stuff to see if you get dizzy. Um, they have to see you walk. They got to do a full neurological exam. This takes some time, and. I, I'm telling you, they, they called him a back injury. So he probably never went through a lot of this testing. Mind you, you know, I'm not attacking anybody because he very might have done some of this and just passed. Um, but if he would have, you know, if they would have just called him a no-go, he would he would just been in percussion, uh, concussion protocol from the jump. Well, so let me let me ask you something. As a Dolphins fan, I want to say that, and this is not my fandom separating from it, because like I said, as a physician, I was like, he should not have gone back in that game. But as a Dolphins fan, in one of our best seasons thus far in 20 years and the game being against the Bills who were number one at the time, do you think, and be unbiased, if it was a lesser game, they probably would have been like, all right, let's evaluate this further or was it the severity? Because it was about, a, what, less than two minutes left in the first yeah. half and then, you know, they were like, okay, we got halftime to get them right. I was shocked and actually, you can even ask Brick, I was on the phone with him, I was shocked that he came back and I thought he was done. Do you think it was the severity of the NFL's agenda that being a primetime game, them being an undefeated team, playing against a Super Bowl contender. You think that has something to do with it? You know, it's 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 hard to say. Like you, the natural competitor in you as a player wants wants to, you know, as a former player, wants you to say, like, you know, big time games are obviously gonna make you know make a decision. But at the same time, 
you know, I can't drop, sit here and drop any accusations and say that that was, you know, that was the decision was made because it was a big mm-hmm. game. And would that have changed? I I don't know. I don't know. I think for Tua himself, I'm sure he, if he was having any symptoms, I'm sure knowing the circumstances, he was probably more likely to deny if he were. Um, so it's 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 such a tough situation. Yeah. yeah but yeah, that's like, what you said about the player. You know, he going and we've all been through it. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna tell him I'm good, even if I'm not. Right. And and that's why you say this is like I don't really blame anybody specifically as this being a systematic failure. Like literally, the player's gonna want to play no matter what. Where are the protections for the player? Where's the shared decision making? Like like there's got to be some sort of like I had a head injury or something's going on. You sit me down. You bring in my agent. You bring in my like my mom and dad or my family. Facetime them in, and we make a a shared decision making. If things are a little inconclusive and we sit here we document that here these are the risks these are the benefits just like you do for any procedure of going mm. back into a game if things are okay and you as the player your family members you designated whoever you want to be your you know medical decision maker on with you during the games i don't know how you want to do it but i mean i i just i you got to come up with different solutions where you know you know to to, to help i guess negate i mean it's, it's really tough with this situation because then you have all these objective tests you know, this thing called the, there's a thing called the impact test, which is a computerized test. Every NFL player does it baseline testing before the season and they give you a score. And then when you're doing your concussion uh, return to play protocol, you take an impact test again when your symptoms are resolved. They compare that. And it's one of the objective findings they use. I, I would tell you that the majority of players are tanking that baseline test because they want ah. to. They want to test. was all up and down ESPN this week talking about how he tanked that that particular test. Exactly. The impact testing is is is, you know, so players also like like you want to tell them, hey, you know, you got to take these tests seriously. But like these players, like what's the average time in the league? Three years, maybe. Yep. Like three and a half. Yeah. They're they're risking it all to make to to make that tools in a contract year. Like you can't like. Mm -hmm. You got to take that part out. So it's really hard to give the players power to make decisions. You have you have the independent, unaffiliated person who's affiliated with the NFL. It's kind of an oxymoron, you know. So there's the there's another issue. Uh, there's the coaches and the organizations pressure to get the player back in the game. Like you know, I've you know, I'm not dropping any examples, but you've been in I've been in situations where you're in a room of evaluating player and you, you got co- coaches and and people in there, you know, down your throat like back off and let me do an exam and then and then take my decision and agree with it and don't question it you know yeah so there's there's issues with that too and you know it's it's tough it's it's just a it's just a tough and it, it, like i said it's a it's a systemic problem or systematic system failure whatever you want to call it yeah. um and unfortunately things like this are going to bring light to to try to make things better whatever they do i know they already like we just talked about it before the show they just fired the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant i don't know if that's i mean you knew that was coming i don't know if that's a solution more than it's they just needed like, someone to blame right somebody, somebody was gonna be yeah held to the fire and it wasn't gonna body, be too right <laughs> <laughs> all right brick so, you got a question for us yeah so um I mean, I had a list of like three questions for you. Literally, you answered two of them already. Like, how much do you feel money played a role in this? I mean, everybody has come to agree when it comes to the contracts, being in the league. Obviously, that player is probably going to jump, jump to it. 
And then, like, is there a system flaw? Because, I mean, in the – I play college football. You guys play college football. I took that test, and everybody was like, hey, make sure you do as bad as possible. So if you do get a concussion, you can come back quicker. I mean, even in the military, we have what we call an ANAM. It's like an auto, automated neurophysiological test. I can't remember what the exact name is, but people tell you right before you go on deployment, take that test. You know, so when you do something happen, we don't have to send you back home and everything. But I mean, as I was doing the research on this, because I mean, this was a big topic. I was looking at some of the players that have gone through things like Byron Leftwich. Everybody remembers when he broke his leg and he's his players are like his carrying uh, him down the field. And Marshall. Down the field. Yeah. Kirk Schilling, he had surgery and then he pitched in the World Series and his ankles bleeding. That Ronnie was fake. Lott. Let's keep going. Okay, but Ronnie Lott. <laughs> Ronnie Lott broke his finger and he cut his finger off just so he can get back to it. I yeah, mean, I at that. what point who's gonna who's gonna protect these players from themselves? You remember I got another one for you. Remember Austin Colley, Colts receiver? That man had got, like eight concussions. It was like 11. It was sad to, it was so sad to see concussions. him go out like that. He yeah, had a didn't, lot of concussions. He had to retire Luke because of, yeah. Didn't Luke Keekley have to retire because of concussions too? Mm-hmm. And Probably beyond just neurotrauma, um, who was it? Uh, Andrew Luck. He yeah. literally said, yeah, I get injured too much. Yeah, so the big question is, who's going to protect these players from themselves? Because, I mean – Working around just college players, NFL players, everybody who's just professionals, like the doctor knows, like you're the doctor, you know that they're probably lying on this test. You know that they're beating the system. At what point is like, no, stop, you're going to die. Yeah, like it's it's tough. I mean, see, the thing is, like, there's a lot of stuff that actually is not you know, publicized where the, the team medical staff is making those decisions. Um, and a lot of times they are protecting and they're making, you know, good decisions that you don't necessarily see that where they're not allowing players to play or return to play as soon. But unfortunately it's the ones that do or the ones that get glorified because that's the ones the media sees and everybody sees. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've come exponentially, you know, we've gotten exponentially better in uh, protecting players, um, but it's not a perfect science. It's just, and when you have, you know, when it's not necessarily just, a, a, you know, a sport for fun and it's, it's, it's a business. Like the NFL is a business. These sports are business. These colleges are businesses. And the, at the at bottom line, it's to make money. And the player's goal is to make it to the professional, what, whatever sport they're in and make money. And they're willing to sacrifice anything they can. And then, you have doctors that, you know, definitely care about the players, but they're also, you know, CYA covering their tails with every situation, too, because they don't want to be sued. They don't want to be fired from from, the, you know, the, their position. Um, so I don't have an answer for you. I don't know, like what, you know, where it's going or what necessarily could be done better. Um, maybe having more unaffiliated, unbiased decision makers possibly um having some contractual uh you know literature in the contracts of these players to protect them if something were to happen so they're 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 financially still you know protected or they can't be you know traded or cut or their or their contract can't be renewed just because they didn't finish out i don't, I don't know how to you know it's tough I mean, another good example, I know you would understand this one. Clay Thompson in the finals of when they were playing the Raptors. 
tore his ACL. The doctor said he's not sure he knows something's messed up. And Clay Thompson was still trying to get back out on the court. It literally took his father to stop him. But, like, that's one of those, like, because you don't have it right there, right then and there, you can't pull out an MRI on the side of the court and be like, yeah, it's definitely torn. Like, right. And these are the type of things, because, I mean, Clay Thompson literally one of the best players in the league at that moment, too, because Golden State was dominating. But literally took his father to step in. Like, come on now. Like, I feel like that's an issue. They, they kind of do all that they want to. I was going to ask and just piggyback off of it for you, Dr. Davis. I was going to ask. And it may sound crazy, but with the amount of money these teams make, what if they had like a non-contrast CAT scan? They have x-rays. They have ultrasound. What if they had a non-con CT at every major NFL stadium? Do you think that would give us any benefit? Other than did you have a head bleed or not? I don't know. Something, yeah, because I know you got to wait. It takes time. To, for y'all that don't know that, or that aren't medical, like especially with concussive force and traumatic brain injuries, usually you have to wait. About 24 hours, I have to wait to get those MRIs to see if there's anything that'll show up. And sometimes it's even longer. But yeah, that's right. right. And and a lot of times, they yeah, it doesn't even really. I mean, that's the thing about concussions. There's no clear cut, right? And you have all these, you know, you have the, you know, like, it's not just the impact testing, the computerized tests that they use. It's just another piece of the puzzle. Like there's, there's the objective data with the, the impact, the scat and all these other, you know, tools. And there's subjective, which we use. We hear what the player's telling us. We use what we see on the film. Um, and it's kind of all these it, it, together to make a medical decision. That's why concussions is kind of over here. You know, when we're talking about other acute injuries, it's a little different because there's are, you know, definitive tests. But sometimes it's, it's it's really hard. Like, you know, player tears ACL. There's there's ex- physical exam things we do um, that can tell us, like, is the ACL like, you know, there's like a Lockman or anterior or a couple of knee tests that you always see when the when their team doctors are on the field. They grab the knee and you see them do this. They hold the thigh and they move the, you know. That's not yeah. always an exact test. Like sometimes it's, you know, it's not clear cut. This player tore his ACL or not. You're in the NBA finals. You're in a locker room. Clay's telling you, I'm playing. Put me back in the game. You're you're like, well, you know, I'm not sure about this knee, but he's he's still kind of moving on it. Like, I, I don't know. Like nowadays, we're like we're the science is getting better. We slap an ultrasound on that knee and we've seen it like it's it's full of swelling. And it's probably like, okay, that's probably that's gives us our final piece where you're not going back on that in that court. So hopefully yeah. the technology, we keep using it and we get, you know, this is kind of a, you know, because I'm, you know, sports medicine trained or, you know, in, in that field. So get play, get the doctors that are most qualified in these positions. Stop having, you know, a lot of these. I don't want to. Some of these doctors out here that are team doctors for these teams are not trained in their specific field. They've been there for a long time. Their legacy. Do you think they do that for a reason? I mean, yeah, it's it's like it comes down to you know politics, who you know, who's who's paying, you know, what 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 hospital system is the team affiliated with, and who's the who's the guy that we want in that hospital system. Is it is it, you know, uh, uh, some guy that didn't even do a sports medicine, you know, fellowship or, you know, is it somebody, you know, I don't know. It's just it's interesting. It's interesting. Like you watch ESPN and I've talked to to uh, David about this earlier. Um, they're interviewing all these people and not 
they did not have a concussion specialist not one time on on any channel like not once did a concussion sports medicine concussion physician get on there not one like mm-hmm. okay so let's just keep <laughs> speculating here i mean i don't know <laughs> yeah that's a good point that's a good it's, point it's, it's not it, it's not that to be honest in all fairness it's not that like that's the crazy thing is what's making this such a big deal is that you didn't really need a doctor to tell you that Tua had gross motor instability, you know, two yeah. years ago. So when he shook his head, tried to walk to the huddle and collapsed. I was like, eh, it's not good. Leno, did you have another question? No, not really, man. I'm um just a lot of getting a lot of good insight over here, man. I really like I said, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. For sure, for sure. There was something else that I did want to ask on. Um so we talked a lot about the head trauma and those concussive injuries, which are harder to diagnose. But what about when it comes to players playing through other injuries? Like there's millions of examples, but one that we were talking about, we we're talking about off air, um, like Russell Wilson, right, with his ligament injury in his hand, uh, in his finger, where the decision last year they said you know six to eight weeks he'll be back. He did his his thing and he came back in four weeks and he sucked for four more weeks after that, meaning that if he would have waited eight, he would have been better. It, do you think that? That is just like, you know, players wanting to be strong or thinking that, you know, they're they're unstoppable, they're invincible or like this is their life on the line when it comes to that stuff or why? Because I think we're all guilty of playing through it. And not only do you think it is it their their ego per se, but the other thing I want to ask you is. What is the difference between being injured and being hurt? Like at what point, like you coach, like I said, you coach professionals. I mean, not coach, you train professionals, you train uh, or you're a trainer with um let me say it the right way. Your sports medicine affiliated physician with Sorry. professional athletes, with collegiate athletes, yeah. and with high school level. Where do you draw that line of you're not hurt, you're good, versus you are injured, you need to stay off the field? How do you do that? Yeah, it's um, it's not a perfect science. Uh, you know, Russ, you know that Russell Wilson injury specifically. Uh, it's 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 so tough for other people to comment on it because it's only the people that see the imaging or did his surgery understand like what's the follow-up MRIs or imaging look like what's his return to play been like so it's really impossible to kind of comment on did he come back too soon or not because mm-hmm. which he might have he might have not you know sometimes these athletes heal faster I mean he specifically he had a mallet finger which is kind of an abulsion of that uh of that tendon off the finger and then he had a little probably a, a bony piece and that's why he had surgery because you don't usually fix those unless that bony piece is there but I don't know the details of his injury yeah. and yeah he, he came back pretty dang fast was that because you know he's russell wilson super competitor um and wanted to be back or is that because he had you know pressure from his organization because he was kind of in that weird you know contract year um yeah was it the doctor and just from experience i'm telling you it's usually almost never the doctor rushing or the the doctor that's rushing these players back from my personal experience it's usually the the physicians are usually on the safer side um, because number one they're you know they don't want to have any you know uh, liability uh, bad, bad bad outcomes they want to make sure players you know are especially in college too they really most of them you know that I've worked with and and seeing that you know we care about the these kids future and um, so it's tough so you know you usually play it on the safe side but when you have 
you know, players that are telling you they're feeling good and they want to get back on the field. Then you've got pressure from, you know, coaching staff and uh, or, you know, if you're in the professionals, uh, management and things like that. Um, yeah, it's tough, man. And as far as being hurt and being injured, uh, that's, you know, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a interesting, uh, a line to draw too. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's tough, man. I don't, I really don't know how to specifically answer that question other than, you know, being in a room and doing your own, your evaluation, what the surgery, what the image It's really hard to make a call looking from the outside in on these, on these injuries. So. Okay. You have another question, Brick? Uh, yeah, just just like a random question. Um, Adrian Peterson. He, I was going to ask that. I was going to say, he was yes. always getting hurt, and he just came back better. Like, would that would that doctor take credit? Because I'm pretty sure he came back faster after he tore his ACL. Or and is that an he, anomaly? And then he broke his collarbone, and he was still lowering his shoulder, destroying every human being. So, like, is that the doctor thing? Does he have better doctors, or is that PEDs? <laughs> <laughs> so there are genetic freaks out here, and there are, like David said, there are anomalies where, it, you know, and, and it's like people are quick to say, like, oh, who did his ACL? Because he that's the person that should be doing all ACLs, and that's just not the case. That's so stupid. ACL, the, the, the people that are doing ACL surgeries, like, I don't care if you're the team doctor for so-and-so or, you know, you're you're at a, a great university or a, a private center. In most cases, there's there's not a lot of variation in how these are. You know, it's a pretty not a straightforward surgery, but it's it's the technique is somewhat similar for the high level athletes. So, you know, it's all about how this player heal. How did they do their rehab? You know, um, you know it, so it's so you you can't really compare individuals to each other. Um, Adrian Peterson is just a freaking nature. I mean, just looking at him, you can say, and there's a, and there's a lot of players that are like that. I mean, I mean, LeBron James is one of them, like, you know, knock on wood, this man has never really had a significant injury. Um, and he's been playing in the league for so long. I mean, he's just genetically just, you know, we all wish we had those genes. So what do you say? Year 19 loading or something crazy like that. It's crazy. Um, it's aimed to be at that point. And I just, so to answer your question, yeah, it was it was it was genetics. It was Adrian Peterson being a beast, and he probably rehabbed the heck out of it too. And you know, had a good surgeon. PEDs. You know, actually, <laughs> PED. You know, PEDs probably would have if he was taking them. Probably would have. You know, are you saying that that's what helped him recover, or that's what helped? Yeah, I'm pretty sure so much? he had some HGH or something. So yeah, well, wait, are you saying that's what caused him to be injured or help? No, that's what brought him back faster and better. Because usually the players that are you know taking that stuff are more prone to injury because they're not. Um, so I don't know if I, you know what, what you know. I'm not gonna make any accusations, but like I said, but hey, it's all good. We he appreciate on him when he ate on. that uh, Le'Veon Bell right hand. I tell you that much. What'd you say? He wasn't on any PEDs when he ate that Le'Veon Bell right hand a couple weeks ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got to touch on that. All right, so then let's take it on a lighter note, a couple things. Um, I guess, you know, for those of y'all that aren't watching on YouTube that are listening to the podcast, Dr. Davis is wearing his alma mater. They had a big win yesterday. So. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, yeah, one of our other good friends, we had a little gentleman's bet about the game. Uh you know, Tulane should be five and zero. Oh. Um, 
you know, we had beat K-State. K-State went on to beat Oklahoma. And then we kind of, you know, crapped the bed a little, lost by three to Southern Miss. But we bounced back. We beat Houston with our third-string quarterback. So, hoping we can pop in that top 25. Respectfully, yeah. Houston did everything they could to lose that game last night. But credit <laughs> to y'all going down into Houston and winning that game in overtime. With but, a third-string. Third-string quarterback. Houston didn't want anything to do with winning that game last night. It was it was it was sad to watch. But it like I like said, credit to y'all in overtime going down there and getting the win for sure. With the third, I didn't know that was y'all third straight quarterback. That's I, I I give y'all a little extra credit for that. That was that was tough. And and the third string wasn't even prepared. The second so our, our starting quarterback who's damn good was out. Second string goes in first drive gets hurt. So the third string wasn't even ready to play. So that's why our offense was a little stagnant. But yeah. Uh, Houston's been in, I think that was the third overtime game this year. So. Yeah. Yeah, so many of those. And another thing I got to shout out. So we were on the golf course earlier, and, and you had a big <laughs> moment, didn't you? You had, had a big moment on a, what was that, a par? Was it par four? Par five? That was par a par four, four man. We got up, we probably, you know, got out to play some golf, man. Uh, it was a little rough in the beginning, but, you know, things started to come together. We had, yeah, you, you threw a club, you did. Yeah, in the beginning there. But yeah, the far put all man, his business down the street. I hit a nice little drive down. I was about what about eighty yards out. Mm-hmm. Pulled out the sixty degree and popped one in the air, hit the front of the green, and I was Dave, you were right there by the side of the green. And <laughs> I'm saying I was like, Is that going in? And I said Dave put his arms up. <laughs> he hit an eagle. First eagle of my life, man. Okay. I'm just glad I had a witness. Mm-hmm. Hey, congratulations. Yeah, yeah that's what's up. <laughs> well, we appreciate you for coming on, man. We thank you. You're always welcome back, Dr. Davis. Thank you for giving us that sports medicine knowledge. And, I mean, anything else that you want to say, you want to touch on, knowledge, advice, anything you want to tell the people? No, absolutely. Uh, uh, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, man. I mean, you know, when it comes to sports, you know, we're all passionate about this. and. And, you know, people and especially athletes are going to do everything they can to to stay on the field and, and keep playing. But, you know, the, the the job of the medical team is to, you know, protect players and, uh, you know, protect them against themselves. So uh, I don't want, you know, people out there to think that, you know, the, the, the majority of doctors are working for these teams or, you know, don't have athletes in their best interests. Um or, you know, have alter ulterior motives because a lot of us were athletes to ourselves and we understand. So, you know, most of the time, these doctors really are looking out for the best interests of these players. They just face a lot of external pressures and it's a system that, you know, kind of needs some work. But um, at the end of the day, man, um, we just hope to keep moving forward. Technology is getting better and, um, you know, getting the right people out there is important. Um, so. All right. Well, we appreciate you for saying that. Thank you so much for coming on, Doc. And we just give you this warm welcome and thank you from Durag and Stethoscope and all of our listeners, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate y'all. For sure. All right. Switching gears here. Thank you once again to Dr. Davis for coming on. We did want to talk about it, and Britt kind of mentioned it, with performance-enhancing drugs and their involvement in sports. Some people are against it. Some people are for it. Honestly, to me, it depends on the sport. I'll say it right here, right now. Barry Bonds is a home run king. No matter what he was on, it was still amazing to see, and it was a fun run to watch. 
Um, first thing we're going to talk about, and then I'm going to let Little jump in because I know he wants to touch on this topic. So when it comes to performance enhancing drugs, me as a physician, it also de- it depends on what your performance is involved in, right? If you're a professional athlete, there are rules and regulations meaning that you cannot take these drugs and these substances. But for the general public, these things are naturally given. Like I prescribe steroids, I prescribe HGH to individuals that want to have a better body. And I also make them aware of all the side effects of these medications. So when it comes to performance enhancing drugs, we're looking at things like anabolic steroids, androstenedione, HGH, also known as human growth hormone, erythropoietin, which increases your red blood cells, diuretics, creatine, I'm sorry, creatine, not creatinine, creatine, and then stimulants, okay? Uh, there's a lot more. There's a laundry list, and these players, these professional athletes are given that laundry list. They truly are. I don't know if they all read it, but they're given that when they first sign their professional contract. But what do y'all think about PEDs in sports? We're going to go like this, Leno, Shock, and Britt, in that order. Leno, what do you think about PEDs? So I don't think anybody's ever really been for PEDs. Um, not openly like we should be t- like protesting. We should be taking human growth hormone. I don't. I don't think that's going down. Yeah. But I will say, like Adderall, like depending, you know, I, I, I who was it for the Seahawks that got popped for taking Adderall? Was it Josh Gordon? Because uh, he's got popped for everything. Come on, Josh Gordon, and don't disrespect Josh Gordon like that. What, what? What? Don't disrespect his fifth or no, his sixth failed test. No, 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 <laughs> He's an amazing disrespect. athlete. Don't get me wrong. No, don't disrespect Josh Gordon like that. But you know, stuff like that. I, it's not good for the game. It's not. You know, you talk. You get into integrity of the sport, stuff like that. We talk about taking performance. You know, regu- you talk about using drugs to enhance your performance of how you play as an athlete. If you can't naturally do it, or if you don't have the skill or talent to naturally do it probably shouldn't be doing it. Or if you can't do it at a certain level, you just can't do it at a certain level. It is what it is. Everybody can't be, you know, everybody can't run like Michael Vick. Everybody's not Bo Jackson. Usain Bolt. Lamar Jackson. You said it's not good for the sport, but 2001, everybody was watching baseball. That steroid era baseball was fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was, I'm not going to say it wasn't fun. It was fun. It was fun until you realized steroids are bad. <laughs> it was if at first it's kind of, it was like smoking cigarettes. Oh, smoking cigarettes is cool. Kids smoke cigarettes. We got a camel on a cigarette pack, you know, so to advertise a certain demographic of people so they can go smoke cigarettes. Nothing wrong with cigarettes. Have a cigarette after work. Have a cigarette after dinner. Cigarette, cigarette, cigarette. Oh, by the way, cigarettes might get cancer. And then that made cigarettes not cool no more real quick. It made cigarettes real bad. Steroids, you see Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa hitting 65 home runs a year. It's like, oh, steroids are great. And then you realize, oh, the one, the effects that it has on your body, you know, physically and ultimately what could be mentally, especially as you get farther in life. Um, definitely not something that you want to be promoting, putting into your body. So as soon as it became you know, a serious health hazard, health risk, it didn't become cool anymore. And But I got to throw, throw a flag on the plate because, like I said, I prescribe that for some of my patients. If it's yeah, managed but, by a physician, it, it, now it could be the way they're obtaining it, but like I guess I have patients that are on steroids. No, if I have patients that are on ACH. If your patients want to 
physically look better and go to the gym and be stronger, well, yep. yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, that's you know what I mean? I mean it is what it is, but it's not you're you gotta you know pay a membership to go to a gym or you know you might know a guy that knows a guy but we talking about people who are paid you know their profession is going uh, out doing these things you know performing in these manners and in that case we're not paid we don't want to see you know anybody can go out there and and take steroids and do some some of these things besides the fact that the reality is we want to see these guys go and their natural, you show their natural ability. You know, natural ability does not mean I'm using stuff that's going to enhance my performance. To this day, I still wouldn't be upset to find out that Bo Jackson or Deion Sanders, Sanders were on something. I know they weren't, but if I if I found out now, even Michael Jordan, I'd still be like, it was amazing to watch him play. I do get what you're saying, though. I'm not discrediting what you're saying. But all right, so let's wear uh, Shock, what'd you think? What's your take on steroids? For me, PEDs, yeah. I'm sorry. It would definitely be exciting to see that shit in sports, right? It definitely would make for good television. But for me, it's like an even playing field. Like, I want to see if it's if people just have PEDs, they can afford PEDs. It's we all know who are going to be the people that can afford PEDs. So those are the people that don't have the natural talent, and they just not athletes. Boo hoo. But I think it just keeps an even playing field by everybody not having no PEDs, being our natural self, everyone. That's it. Natural. Is that being said now, for those that are going to be listening to us on YouTube, YouTube is coming soon. Uh, Shock is uploading it. YouTube's up. Uh, YouTube's up. YouTube is up. Do-rags and stuff is on YouTube. I, I can't even front to you. In high school, Shock, we went to the same high school. I thought you were on steroids. I thought you were on something. Because Because you've been built the exact same. No, not because he's bald. Because he had a (laughs) 12-pack and all he did was eat french fries. And he was cut like a diamond. And he had the worst diet I've ever seen a human being eat. And then the beard and the bald head. At 14 years old. That was it. Yeah. It was the the deep voice. He was like 6 foot, 200 pounds. And he he was claiming he was 14. He looked like he was 40. He was claiming he was 14. He wasn't really 14. Yeah, like, what was that movie? Uh, when it was like, I am 12. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's, that's what to, got to You trying to say he was um he was Thon Maker out there at uh, Country Day. He was achieved the beat out there with the birth certificate out there. In, uh, yes. Okay. Yes. How you 14 and you got six kids? That was It was Jack, that you type. You don't let him play you like that, bro. <laughs> He's still built the same way. Literally, man, I've been 5'11 forever, but for the listeners... Me too. I ain't never done no PEDs ever. It's all natural African food. (laughs) Rice. Fufu and beignet. Fufu, chicken, beef, beef on steak, all that. That's what it is. And then, of course, the fries, and then you also got the bacon. Then, yeah, yeah. He said beef on steak. This man... Oh, in America, it's kebabs. Kebabs. That's, that's <laughs> hey, I ain't mad at it. I'm not mad at it. Authentic African dish, beef on stick. You ain't even got an ass right there. <laughs> All right. Hey, Brick, what's your take on PEDs, bro? I mean, honestly, I, I'm fine with it in a team sport. In an individualized sport, I think that's where we started. Ha- we have to draw the line. Because, like, 
if you look at the female world records from track, I think they were t- they like they were set in like 1980, and they haven't been touched in like 20 years. Flojo, Jackie, Jordan, Kersey. Yeah, and if you but go she back to that time, she wasn't on steroids, was it? They didn't test. Literally, it was Russia and the United States. Russia again. They just got in trouble for their whole steroid situation. It was pumping Ivan Drago full of them drugs. And yes. Nobody dies, like, they didn't dies. They didn't test, so nobody knows. So I feel like in an individualized sport, yeah, that's kind of like cheating. But I mean, if it's football, I mean, hold on, maybe Bill Romanowski definitely told everybody he was taking stuff. About to say Bill Romanowski is hundred percent on something. He said I he was taking that stuff that they didn't test for. I still look, think Vontez Burfitt was juicing. Y'all remember Vontez Burfitt, middle linebacker for the Bengals? Of course, I remember. Yes. He, didn't I, he get a I lifetime he would, ban? Yes, he should have got a lifetime sentence. That man was crazy. <laughs> they say AB is the reason AB is like he is now because of that hit after Burfitt. He almost decapitated him. That was one of the hardest hits I've ever seen. When AB spun in that circle? Yeah. If it comes out that Vontez Burfitt made AB crazy, Nobody in the world is going to question it. I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> but then it makes me think that AB, or, and this is very deep in the sports, sorry for the listeners, but I know Leno would know this part. You remember Juju came and clocked Burfitt after that. Yeah, he cleaned got him that when lick. he wasn't looking. He got, that he got him with back. that re-rock. Yeah, he got that lick back. So, Anyways. And he threw him under the bus because he fumbled all the games away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean... Sorry to cut you off, Brick, but I, I do think that they they have their place and then they don't. I don't. So an unfair advantage, I get it. If it's an even playing field and no one is taking it, no one should be taking it. But it's just like with professional lifting. There are certain organizations in professional lifting and powerlifting where they recognize that you sh- they test you for these substances. And there's other organizations where they don't. But PEDs in general is such a broad term, right? We look at like HGH and steroids to increase strength. You look at stimulants, they can increase focus. Okay, what was that thing that they were using with Alabama? They got in trouble for the uh, deer antler spray. That was Ray Lewis. That was yeah. That, you know Ray Lewis. He was he messed his elbow up and he sprayed that on the elbow. It brought him back in like a week and a half. So deer antler spray is supposed to be regenerative. You know, it's it's not necessarily a stem cell, but it has regenerative properties. If it's something to help you heal, I have no problem with something that helps you heal if you heal faster. If it gives you a physical advantage, that's different. But if it allows you to recover from injury, I mean, as a doctor, if it was FDA approved, I would have given it to him, too. So is healing from an injury not a physical advantage? The way your body naturally heals from an injury? When you get to that sport level, I don't necessarily think that that's the case. So if I just start taking some trend or some D-ball, I mean, I'm just trying to recover faster. I disagree. I'm Yeah, I'm with, I'm with Brick on this one. I mean, like I said, we play two a day. If I could take something in the second practice, I'm good. I've recovered faster. It's not my fault that you soft and you needed to take something. But if that got you better, that got you better. Second week of football camp. Everybody knows it. Second week of football camp. Everybody all freed up and bruised. If I could take something, I get that extra advantage. What's up? Except for the kickers. If I, how about that? If our kicker could take performance enhancing drugs, shock. Leno, you remember what our kicker did against WNL? If our kicker could have been on steroids, I would have been so happy. We would have been in the playoffs. 
Shout out to the kicker at Iowa State that doinked that field goal and missed that other field goal and had a field goal blocked and then missed that game time field goal with like three seconds left, you loser. <laughs> That's a hell of a Don't shout out. Field, I think Shock has the toughest take on kickers. Shock, what do you think about kickers? If these PEDs would help them make it every time? Yeah. I mean, that definitely... That that definitely change my mind on PDs, man, because I fucking hate kickers. Excuse my French, man, but I, I can't stand it. I feel I, like, dude, I genuinely feel bad for kickers, but I love like, I hate kickers. Bro, hate like them. all they do too. is practice on the Kicking. side kick the ball. It okay. comes time when we are doing all the work between snaps, all of a sudden, here you go. This is what you do all week. Oh, miss to the left. Mm, bro. How? 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 They just need to get rid of kickers in the game, dog. Like, kickers is no place. No place. Oh, man. I'm going to start this petition. <laughs> the petition for kickers. Oh, goodness. Hey, what's kick, the player for the, the 49ers out. that was kicking field goals in practice? Not the kicker, though. Was it the safety? I thought it was the Chiefs. Was it the 49ers or the Chiefs? Or the Chiefs? Yeah, it know. was the Chiefs. Was okay. He was a safety for the Chiefs. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, though. Yeah, but I'm what? just saying, if he could do it, I mean, you got to run for your money. Just imagine, like, yo, I got a safety for $20 million, and I can drop $5 million, $10 million for this kicker because I don't need him anymore. I mean, you hit the lick. Yo, no, yeah. because no, because that kicker position is way too valuable. Or that safety is position is... Imagine okay, if so Derrick Henry is your field goal kicker. you like, yo, it might yeah, be. Yeah, imagine kick. if Derrick Henry is your field goal kicker. What, you just going to send him out to kick off and then have 10 versus 11? It's know, not 10 not versus 11 because I know he can make a tackle. What are you talking <laughs> you gonna about? Send, you going to send Derrick Henry on kickoff coverage and, and risk him getting hurt on being a kicker? If no, Derrick Henry gets hurt, Derrick Henry would never get hurt on a kick. Come on now. Right, he would so be Derrick the scariest sight on kickoff team. But Derrick Henry hurt on a kickoff. Leno, if you were a kick returner and you saw Derrick Henry, we didn't see dudes. We didn't see dudes. Any type of dude. We didn't see dudes on kickoff not get up. And you mean to tell me there's no chance that Derrick Henry run down on a kickoff and get done in? And All it's right, not like so we have you giving him a forty yard head start. Oh I my god! I'm I'm sorry. I literally I literally. All right, so I'm just saying. So you put Derrick Henry. Out. You put Derrick Henry at field goal kicker, and like say a team like Tyron Matthew, you put him at kickoff. Like you said, you can switch him up. That's true. That's way too risky of a proposition for my start. Well, all right, let's not think about something ex- such as, so extreme as Derrick Henry, but a starter, if you have a backup safety that can kick a 45-yard, so say their range is 48 yards, and they're a backup safety, timeout. It's not going to play. Yeah. Okay. So, what so the you fuck are care? we talking about? I'm so confused right now. So, I thought we were talking about <laughs> Eliminating kickers. <laughs> Talking about kickers. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm, I'm sorry. I really did. I lost track. I got so confused. <laughs> yeah, I really did. I was like, what are we talking about? No, we we're eliminating kickers. We have really expound on our hatred for kickers. We don't. None of us like kickers. We don't like um, fucking kickers. So it seems like when it comes to performance-enhancing drugs, whether they're steroids, androstenedione, HGH, stimulants, or anything like that, I would say that they have their place, but they don't. So an unfair advantage is something that you don't want to have as a professional, but you also want to be safe. I think if we're all touching on it. So in American sports, I'd say no. I mean, especially like when Brick touched on it, you know, 
if you got a, a one-on-one sport like boxing match, you definitely don't want somebody to be roided out and they could harm you. In team sports as well, you got to know what you need to be safe. So my bottom line is that if it's illegal, it's illegal. If you're not supposed to take it, you're not supposed to take it. But performance-enhancing drugs have shown an interesting wave, as we talked about with the early 2000s steroid era in baseball, that made the game more fun, but it made the game less safe. All right, y'all. That is another episode of Durags and Stethoscopes. We thank y'all, as always, for tuning in. The YouTube is now up thanks to Shock and his valiant efforts. We just want to leave y'all, as always, with some words of wisdom, a few things. I will touch in first. Word of wisdom that I would say that I've learned, especially in my life of home ownership. Make sure y'all change your air filter at least once every six months, if not every year. It's been six about four months. years. If you got a dog more than that. If you see the air filter that I took out, it was charcoal black. It is supposed to be, you know, ghost white. You need to change your air filter. Three Three months. months. I don't care how good that filter is, how much. I'm not trying to pay no high dollar for no air filter. But three months, is as long as that air filter is getting in my house, and then the new one is going in. That's it. That's the most. Ours was in for four years, and I took it out earlier today, and I learned my lesson. I'm a bad doctor. I got three dogs do once a month. Maybe twice a month. Sheesh, I need to step up. All right, who else got words of wisdom? I got you. All my people who may have been, uh, may have fallen off the wagon, you know, falling into that new season splump. Winter is coming. So whatever you was doing before now, I encourage you, get back on that wagon. Get back on that boat, right that ship, or it get cold out here, and you stuck with nothing to do. Cause when it's coming, boat. it's sober October. Uh, I'm participating in that. So, somebody does that. You don't need alcohol in your body. You guys understand that. So you can take this month to do sober October. But if you want to get messed up, go ahead. I ain't gonna stop you either. Literally had three beers the day before I got on the podcast. So I feel really, really weird right now. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say be kind, dog. Just be kind. What's up? That's what's up. That's what's up. All right. Well, that is it for us. That's another episode of Do Rags and Stethoscopes. Thank y'all for chiming in, and we wish y'all all the best peace, blessings as you go throughout your week. Thank y'all. Peace. Peace. And for real, fuck kickers. Fuck kickers.